Well, welcome to One at Hill Community Church. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to... Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Um, you can take your seats. Wow, you wanted to make this so much harder, didn't you? <laughs> For those of you who don't know, my name is Victoria Kovarik. I'm one of the pastors here at Walnut Hill Community Church, and this is my last Sunday as a pastor with you. I wanna welcome all of you in Waterbury, in New Milford, in the Valley, every single one of you online. It's been so great to come to the campuses over the last few weeks. My husband, Andre and I feel very honored, very grateful. We are one church, aren't we? We are one church following one Lord. And today, as we open the Word of God, I wanna approach today in thankfulness. I've been a pastor here for 15 years. So much has happened. I've seen so much happen in you. So much happen in us. And I believe that today is a day to celebrate God's goodness, to declare His love. But my prayer for you is that you might know Him more. More and more with every day. And for those of you in this room who don't even know what I am talking about, my prayer is that you might discover today a God that loves you, a God that did everything that needed to be done that you might know Him. And so I wanna invite us as a community, whether you're online, whether you're in one of the campuses, whether you're here in Bethel, I wanna invite all of us to open our hearts to the living God. Now that might sound very Christian-y, but what I'm really saying is, there are moments when we can hear words and they, they just go in one ear and out the other. And there are moments when we say, God, I want to hear from you. And as we invite God to speak to our hearts, I believe he does. And I believe that he is longing to speak to you, whether you're sitting at home, whether you are in Waterbury, New Milford or the Valley, whether you're here in Bethel, I believe that God wants to speak to us because he's our Father. And so let's turn to the Word of God. If you have a Bible with you in whatever format, can I encourage you to open it? We are gonna turn to Ephesians chapter four. We're gonna read verses one to six. And I wanna encourage you to keep the scriptures open because I'm gonna refer to them throughout our time together. So Ephesians 4, verses one to six. And these are the words of Paul in a letter to the church in Ephesus. Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle, be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one spirit, 
Just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future, there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism and one God and Father who is over all and in all and living through all. That is the God we worship. And how appropriate that on our last sermon of this sermon series, as we've been looking at living a life in step with the Spirit, how appropriate that we would end right here with the Spirit of God uniting, with the Spirit of God binding, and with the Spirit of God calling. Now, for many of you who have known me through the years, you know that I like image. I like um, visuals. They're helpful for me. And so I couldn't end this last sermon without a visual. And we're going to find out if it works. So here we go. This is a tuning fork. Two little prongs, little sticks. Sorry online if that's a little too small to see. But I want to invite you to listen. Do you hear that? I thought these things would be louder. They, they are, just not mine. Okay, thanks. <laughs> I want you to listen again. I believe that what I'm going to share today is about learning to listen to the Lord. That we have a God who is a master tuner. This little thing with two prongs makes a sound that can tune an entire orchestra as a piano is tuned to this, so the instruments are tuned to that. And we have a God that has echoed through the centuries, a sound which is a sound of love. He is inviting us to know Him, to come to Him, to discover that He is the one who has drawn near to us, even as He is inviting us to draw near to Him. And so for those of you who like to read a story from the end, I wanna tell you where we're going. I believe that God is a master tuner. And I believe that this passage is talking about what it is to be in tune with him, in tune with his spirit. And I wanna ask you today whether you are willing to come in line with him. Now, for some of you, that will be a first time. God, if you're really there, if what I am sensing in my spirit is really true, then I come to you, I give you my life. For others today may be the need to hear that sound in a fresh way, because there are parts of us that are out of tune. And I believe that today the Lord wants to tune us up. But that is a work that he does and he alone. So I'm gonna pray. And as we close this sermon, I, I believe that there's gonna be an opportunity to respond. So don't sit here and just listen. I wanna ask you to join in, to ask God to minister to you, that you might know him more deeply or that you might come to him for the very first time. And that can be wherever we're sitting. So let's pray. Father, I wanna thank you that you love us. 
I wanna thank you that you are God of gods and King of kings and Lord of lords and you don't change. I wanna thank you that you have, have spoken your love through the ages. You have invited us to know you. And Lord, I wanna pray that today you might tune your church. Those areas that are out of key, Lord, would you tighten things up or loosen things that we might be tuned to your spirit and know you more deeply. And Lord, I am asking that for all those hearts that are open today, that you might minister to them. You might minister to us, that we might know you, the living God. And so we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. So the scripture we're looking at today, Ephesians 4 verse 1 begins, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Paul is writing to a church that he knows really well. According to Acts 20, Paul has spent three years in Ephesus. And Paul is writing this letter and the first half emphasizes the privilege of being a Christian. So the first half of the letter is all about the blessing and the privilege of being a Christian. And then right here at Ephesians 4 verse 1, we switch gears and we start to look at the responsibility of being a Christian. See, it's great to have the privilege, right? When you're blessed with an honour, you then have, have some responsibilities that come with it. There's a living in line with the privileges you've received. And that is what Paul is saying to them. He says, live a life worthy of your calling. Now, I don't know how the word calling makes you feel. I know that in, in a, a lot of the thinking nowadays, calling can become so much more about vocation and what do I do? And confession is good for the soul. And I have to admit to you as a church, I have spent most of my life being weighed down by this word calling. I gave my life to Jesus when I was four. I was baptized at 14. I went forward um, at the age of 14 in a church service to say I was committing my life to missions. I wanted to serve the Lord wherever he led. And I felt like there was something I needed to do. And so this passage of scripture, live a life worthy of your calling has been a little bit of a noose around my neck because I felt like, have I made it? Have I got there? Have I done what I'm supposed to do? God, have I, have I lived according to my calling? Because that's what I wanna do. I wanna honour you. Last spring, when Andre and I came back from visiting uh, Brazil, I read this scripture again because I was worried that in leaving Walnut Hill, I might walk away from my calling or miss my calling. And so I did what me and my weirdness would do, and that's I went to the Greek, because I wasn't having much help from the English, so I thought, let me have a look at it in Greek. And it basically says, walk worthily of the calling of which you were called. And it was as if, as I read those words, it's as if a light bulb went on. Because that word walk is so much more chilled out, isn't it? Right? It's very everyday. 
It's one foot in front of the other. So I'm called to not have this grandiose plan of what I'm supposed to do, but to walk day by day, step by step. So walk worthily of the calling from which you have been called. You know what light bulb went on? What if calling is not vocation? What if calling is simply having heard a voice? What if what Paul is saying here is not, oh, there's this plan, master plan. You've got to go figure it out and find out what you're doing. Maybe you need to become a pastor. Maybe you need to be a missionary. You know, you do something good Christian like that. No, I believe what Paul is saying is that God speaks today and He is inviting you to hear His voice. In fact, you have heard His voice. Paul is talking to a people that have responded to Jesus Christ. They have realized that they were living life for themselves. They realized that life as they knew it was not enough, that actually God had sent His Son to die and to rise again, that they might have a hope for eternity. They would be saved from their sin, that they would be set free from their past and they would be called to live in new life, a full life in Him. If you have heard that, if you have said, God, I give you my life, you may not even have understood the fullness of what you've done, but if you say, God, I want you. Thank you for sending your son to die for me. I say, yes. Then you have been called. For any of you, especially for any of you who are younger that are living under the burden of a calling that you can't quite imagine. I wanna pray in the powerful name of Jesus that you would be set free from the lies of the enemy and you might be released in whatever profession you choose to walk in, that you might be released to live in that place as a follower of Jesus, as one who has heard His voice, as one who is seeking to know Him with every day. This week I spoke to a piano tuner because it's dangerous to use one of these if you don't know anything about them. So Damon Wade told me, so you can go talk to him if, if it needs clarity because, or talk to me if I've misquoted him, but here you go. This is what he told me, that a piano is designed to sound its best when it's tuned to a certain pitch. And I understand the pitch is called A440. But a piano is designed to sound its best when it is tuned to that pitch, A440. Do you know that you were designed to sound your best when you are tuned to the living God? You are designed to sound your best in tune with Him. We can live our lives at very different pitches. We can get distracted by lots of sound, but we will never live our best unless we are tuned to the living God. He has made that sound. He's made the sound. He's invited you to know Him. The question is, will you respond to the invitation of God? Will you say, yes, 
You have spoken, I have heard. I say yes, Jesus. It's as simple as that in one sense. The challenge and the beauty and the joy of the Christian life is it's not just a one time I heard a sound and now it's a constant day to day. Lord, I wanna walk in tune with you. I wanna follow after you. You see, the very opening words of these passage says, therefore I, a prisoner. See, a worthy life is not always an easy life. And I believe that one of the lies, especially here in the Western world, is that if I give my life to Jesus, everything should be easy. If I give my life to Jesus, it should all sort out, everything should fall into place. And if it doesn't, I've done something wrong or God's done something wrong. (laughs) If we hold to that position, what do we do with half of this? There's so much in here that doesn't go very well. There's so much in here of the poor people who end up imprisoned or, or struggling or tortured or look at Job, right? Everything goes wrong. I don't know where we get our theology from that says if I give my life to Jesus, the world will be straightforward and easy. But you know what Paul says? He doesn't say, therefore, I, a prisoner of Rome, that has now missed my calling because I'm stuck here in prison, Now I write to you, that's not what it says. He says, therefore, I a prisoner for serving the Lord. Or as it says in the Greek, I a prisoner in the Lord. Paul is writing in about AD 59 to 63. He is writing 30 years after he had an encounter on the road to Damascus. Do you remember when Paul, who's going to, who's called Saul at the time, is going to go and kill all the Christians, and he's on this road and he's suddenly blinded. And as he's blinded, he hears a voice and he says, Who are you, Lord? And in that moment, Paul went from being someone whose life was governed by the sound by the sound of the law and the rules and what it was to be a Pharisee and what it was to do the right thing and the good thing. According to what he understood, Paul went from that to saying, who are you, Lord, Master? He went from the authority of this world to the authority of Jesus Christ. He changed allegiance, he changed position. When you say yes to Jesus, you do not stay where you are. You come under a different king. That is the truth of the gospel. And so he was no longer simply a prisoner of Rome. Paul is a prisoner of Jesus Christ. He knows who he belongs to. And even on that day when he hung on the cross, everybody thought this was the greatest tragedy. It was all over. Even in that moment when Jesus hung on a cross, he had victory over Satan. There is a spiritual realm. There is a God who loves you. And there is an evil one who is a deceiver and a liar and a destroyer. And he was defeated when Jesus died on that cross. There was victory in a moment that felt like there may be no victory. There was light that would be on display as Jesus rose again. 
And so often we get caught with what we see and we forget that there is a spiritual realm, there is stuff going on that we cannot see. So often, and I do this myself, we align our thinking with what we can see in a moment rather than align our thinking with what we know to be true. And what can that look like? Well, it can look like those moments when we say, I'm not good enough, I can't do this. It's impossible, God doesn't love me. I am caught up with this, that and the other and I am not. And the things that we say over ourselves is is in, in agreement with the deception of the evil one, not in agreement with the Word of God which speaks truth over us. I had a moment a number of years ago on a Thursday. It was, uh, it was summertime. And here's this Thursday, I'm gonna preach on Sunday. And uh, Andre and I got news that we would never wanna hear and that was that we would probably never be able to have children. And I got this news and I called my brother, Gavin, who is a preacher, who'd been through his own journey with his son who'd been very ill in the womb and Praise the Lord is, is doing really well. But I called Gavin, I said, Gavin, I cannot stand up and speak to God's people. I have nothing to say. And my brother said, that is the most beautiful moment because when we have nothing to give, that's when the Lord ministers most powerfully to his people. And there are moments when we line ourselves up with what we can see. And in that moment, I was lining myself up with the responsibility was mine. I had to bring something, I had to do something. But the truth was that we only need God to minister to us, we don't need me. But sometimes God speaks through us and ministers to one another. And I needed to shift my gear from what I thought I could do, what I could see, to what I believe God could do, which is that God cares for you. And it may be that some of us need to repent because we have got out of tune. We have spent too much time listening to other voices rather than feeding our souls with the Word of God. It may be that for some of us, we need to come back and say, Lord, forgive me, would you show me what is true? There is so much noise around me. Would you show me what is true? Would you show me how to stand on your word? Believe it. Okay, so what I'm in doesn't feel good, but I still believe that God is good. Okay, what I'm in, I I can't see the end. I can't see the light, but God is light and He reveals and I am trusting that He will reveal truth in this moment. There are times as the people of God that we have to remind our hearts of who we belong to. Paul was not just a prisoner of Rome. He was a prisoner of the living God. He knew who his authority was and he trusted in him. You see, the passage goes on. Now, I have to confess, this is Andres of my wedding passage. Now, it's not specifically about marriage, but just listen to these words from the context of the people who are closest to you in your household, right? And you can see how humbling this passage is. Always be humble 
and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Do you feel uncomfortable? You know, the worst thing is I chose it. (laughs) You see, Paul wasn't specifically writing about marriage. He was writing about the church, which just makes this a whole lot more uncomfortable, doesn't it? He's writing about us. I mean, take a look around. or, Or at home, just imagine the others that you know who love Jesus. He's talking about how we interact with each other. Paul is writing to a community that are facing a big issue. He is writing to a community of believers, to the church that are divided against each other. They're divided on racial and cultural grounds. Some are Jews and some are Gentiles. They do not understand each other culturally. And he calls them to act differently to the world. So a people that have assumed the others are wrong and the others are outside of God's love and they're the Jew and they're right, they're suddenly in the church being challenged in those very deep places that what they always assumed isn't actually right. What might this passage have to say to us as we head towards another election? What might it have to say to us when there are people around who say things that we don't agree with? What might it say to us when we're in a hurry? You see, today is an important day in my life, not just for this moment, but March the 31st, 2012, 10 years ago today, is the day I got engaged. And I have to say, that marriage for me has been a gift. One of the things about marrying older was that I knew what I didn't have, and then I knew what I gained. And Andre is God's gift to me, and I am God's gift to him. But you know, no one told me quite how challenging marriage was. You see, when you live closely, and we all live closely to other people usually, or have done at some point in our lives, when you live closely to another person, it's as if they're walking around with a mirror. And you can see those moments when you're behaving badly, and you can see those attitudes that aren't quite that good, and you suddenly start to to see in the mirror of their perceptions more of who you are, and is quite uncomfortable. But I am also very grateful for that discomfort because it challenges me, it changes me. You know, the truth is, we would have done this a year ago if Andre had a chance because he knew that God had called us to Brazil. But I will always be grateful for a husband who waited a year because his wife needed to catch up. And sometimes we think it's more important to get things done than to go together. There is something very beautiful and very powerful when we can walk alongside each other, trusting that God is leading and standing, believing together in what he's doing because we have learned to be patient, 
to make allowances, to be bound together in peace. See, I understand that in the past, before there were electronic tuners, what would happen was the piano would be tuned first and the rest of the orchestra got tuned in with the piano. And that's how you have a harmony of sound. And our God is a master tuner. He knows how impatient we are. He knows how irritated we get with each other. He knows how that anger sparks at moments, but he is longing to tune us to his voice. And as he tunes us to his voice, we will become in tune with one another. This is not about trying to compare yourself to the person next to you and somehow get in tune with them. No, we will always sound like a joyful, horrendous noise when we're trying to compare with each other. The only way we can be in tune is when we are tuned by one tuner. And that is the living God. And he longs to make a joyful sound from his church, but it comes from a people that are surrendered to him and him alone. The last thing we see in this passage, and it reads, it reads like a statement of belief. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all, in all and living through all. There are seven ones. As we, the church, are made into one body, so we worship one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the danger is that we can have too many masters. We say we worship one God, but are we being pulled around by different priorities, different voices, different expectations, different attitudes? Are we living in a tug of war of oughts and shoulds and coulds and I musts, rather than recognizing that we have one Lord to listen to? See, a piano sounds good as it's tuned to one fork, but do you know that there are 88 keys on a piano? It takes time for that master tuner to loosen some, to tighten others. Could it be that there are areas in your life that are not fully surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ? Could it be in, the, in areas like finances or your perception of yourself, your understanding of God, attitudes, addictions, thought patterns, activities, our word versus our actions, are there areas in you that need tuning? When my dad left Connecticut, he gave me a bunch of books from his library. And one of them is a book by a, a Christian theologian called Clark Pinnock. And he says, the spirit does the leading, but we do the walking. Our relationship to his work is not wholly passive. We must decide to want him to direct our lives. This walk of faith is not a passive. I gave my life to Jesus 50 years ago. That's done, I'm going to heaven, oh goody. This Christian life is a day to day. I am gonna follow after Jesus, whatever it takes, whatever he's doing. Lord, I'm out of sync, would you tune me? 
Lord, I don't even know what bits are out of sync, but it doesn't sound too good. So I'm trusting that you are gonna do something. One of those areas in my life that the Lord is constantly having to retune is that area of trust. I am about to step into my fifth continent to live in. I have always gone where there was work. I've always gone because the Lord had opened a door for ministry. That was where I felt he was leading me next. And this is the first time that I am about to step into the unknown in the degree to which we are. And the area I believe the Lord is tuning is, do you trust me? Do you trust me? Will you walk with me? Will you follow me? See, the God that was faithful in the past, that God has led through four continents, can lead to a fifth, can't he? The God that has led you through all the twists and turns, all the struggles and challenges, the God whose voice you still hear, or maybe the God whose voice you need to lean into to hear again. I believe he's inviting you into a deeper walk with him, to live in tune with his spirit. And so I wanna close with a challenge and it's a twofold challenge. Are there any areas in your life that need tuning or retuning to the master tuner? Is there any key that is off in your heart and life and you know it? I wanna encourage you to invite the living God to do the work that only he can do, which is to forgive you and cleanse you and to lead you on and give you courage and strength to stand for him. But I also wanna ask if today is a day for the very first time that you have heard his voice, you sense in your spirit, you might not even be able to explain what is going on, but you know something is going on. I wanna encourage you to say yes to Jesus Christ. The best life is ahead and it's a life in tune with him. May God bless you and may he give you peace. Amen.